Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Travis Brown of the College Station Eagle covering all things Texas A&M. And Travis, it's been a while, man. Appreciate you joining us. How are you doing this afternoon? Doing well. Can't complain, guys. Well, it's good to have you on, man. And I know that uh, Texas A&M this year has been quite a fascinating team. And I want to get your thoughts on that before we dive into the game itself tonight because you got A&M sitting at 10-2 in conference play. They're the second-best team in the SEC when it comes to the standings. Their only losses were on the road to Kentucky and Arkansas. And they seem to be really playing at a high level. But the non-conference slate was one where they dropped a few games here and there, and that's really what's keeping them from being a higher seed in the NCAA tournament. Just kind of tell us about the season in general, how it's gone, and also what's been the key for a major turnaround where A&M started playing a lot better basketball once conference season started. Yeah, I mean, it all really goes back to uh, the, the Christmas break they had right before they lose to Wofford and the worst loss on their schedule, a quad four loss, and the quad four home loss, which is even more uh, damaging. They go off on the Christmas break and come back, and Buzz Williams changes around kind of the, the structure of how they practice, the structure of how they do shoot-arounds, um, some of the, the focuses that they have in practice and how they present stuff. And it's, it's um, completely changed the way that the, the team has, has come out and, and, and played this year. Uh, I mean, right after that Wofford game, they go on um, – a seven-game win streak before you know losing to uh, Kentucky. If you want to break the conference slate down so far into a little six-game thirds, uh, they're five and one in the, the first two uh, of those thirds. And so, it, it's a team that I think um, has has learned who they are and clicked a lot sooner than the team last year uh, did. Now, granted, I think they have a little bit more talent on this team as well, um, but I, I think that. It's also a team that, that is being held back when you look at bracketology and things like that by uh, the struggles that they had through non-conference play. Uh, and um, that's what's holding back a team that actually is clicking pretty good. I mean, you look at BartTorvik.com, and if you want to sort uh, his rankings by the, ca- the beginning of the calendar year, A&M is the fifth-best team in the country when it comes to uh, you know, the offensive and defensive efficiencies and those those uh, metrics that they have uh, combining those. So um, it's a team that's on the rise, that's for sure. Travis, you mentioned this team being more talented than last year's team. Who are some of the players on this team that are difference makers for this season? Tyrese Radford has really come into his own. I mean, he had a, a good effect on um, the team last year, but Quentin Jackson was really the, the guy last year. Uh, Julius Marble, a transfer in from um, – uh, Michigan State is is become a, a, a force down low. Uh, Wade Taylor has uh, come into his own a little bit in his second season in, at A and M uh, last year, playing as a true freshman. And he's raised his three point percentage by uh, you know a considerable amount uh, this year, and, and has really really changed and improved his decision making uh, at the point guard position. Uh, Dexter Dennis is a transfer in who um, has has been one of their best defenders and a. Uh, a good rebounder. If you really want to look all the way around, the team on a, as a whole, they're better, better shooting, and they are a much, much better rebounding team than they were last year. And, and their ability to control the boards has made all the difference uh, this year compared to last year and how they've been able to stay in games and win games. When Arkansas a and matched up the first time, uh, there was a nine-man rotation and even ten players listed on the uh, stat sheet altogether. Is that something that's typical, going 9, 10 deep into the rotation? 
Not really. Um, I mean, they might have nine or ten guys out there, but they're going to, as far as you split the heavy minutes, it's going to be your starting five uh, plus Anderson Garcia and uh, Andre Gordon, who are going to be kind of two. They're probably going to come into the game at the exact same time. They're defensive substitutions, energy guys. Uh, Anderson Garcia actually has led the team in rebounding for the last uh, several games over about the last five game stretch and has the highest defensive rating on the team. He, he is he is a really key player with the the factors that don't show up on the traditional uh, stat sheet. The, the other guys they're going to bring. Aiden Hefner in if they need a shot, need some energy. I think the reason why the rotation is actually so large in that game is uh, they just weren't clicking. They didn't have the energy uh, in that game, and, and they were trying to find a spark, so they went a little bit deeper uh, on the bench. But it's going to be a pretty solid um, seven-man rotation with throwing in a guy or two here or there as situations call for it. Travis, and uh, looking at the the game that Arkansas had against A and M earlier this year too, and now kind of switching it over to uh, to this one, it seems like A and M has been so successful at getting offensive rebounds and getting to the free throw line effectively. Some of the best in the SEC. Would you say that those are the two things that have really been so key in their success, or has there been uh, other parts of the game that you look as being bigger factors as far as why they've been winning so much? Yeah, I mean, uh, you look at. Their, their points make up. They're a team that wants to get to the basket, score layups off dribble penetration or getting the ball into uh, Julius Marble and Henry Coleman. Uh, they, they, 25.4% of their points season have come off of free throws. That's number two in the nation. They want to get to the paint or get, and either make the shot or get fouled. And that's why actually this Arkansas team is a, is a pretty interesting matchup with A&M because A&M is a team, like I said, you want to get to the whole points around the rim and free throws. Uh, Arkansas is a good shot blocking team and has some guys who play really great post defense. And so uh, it's kind of a matchup of two teams that do some uh, contrasting things really well. And, and who's going to budge in the first game? Uh, Arkansas did a great, uh, 13 blocks, I think, uh, really made their sh- the A&M's shooters alter their, their shots midair as they were trying to go in for some of those uh, close range shots, and A&M shot really poorly from the free throw line. I mean, it was the uh, worst free throw percentage of the season, even though they were able to get to the line. So um, that is very, very true. And uh, getting, like you said, second chance opportunities off offensive rebounds has been pretty huge uh, this season for for what A&M is trying to do. They're close to the rim. So uh, Arkansas, I know, too, is a team that likes to get a lot of their points uh, close to the rim on on rim shots. it, it could be if if both teams are clicking on high cylinders there, uh, an offense it could actually be a decently high scoring game because uh, both teams are going to be shooting and, and making high percentage shots. Or if both teams are playing really strong defense, it could actually be a little bit of a rock fight as they just try to find a, a hole to, to to break into and dribble penetration and and score down low and and uh, trying to avoid uh, getting shot blocked, shots blocked and whatnot. So it's going to be a really interesting matchup. Does uh, the bulk of A&M scoring come from the front court, or is it more about the guard play? It's really balanced. Um, you know, there's been games where Julius Marble has been high point guy. Henry Coleman has been high point guy. There's also been games where Wade Taylor has lit it up from deep, and and he's been the high point guy. Dexter Dennis has had a a shot at it. Uh, just about everyone, and then Tyrese Radford. Um, you know, he dropped thirty uh, against uh, Auburn when they went to Auburn. Um, so it really can. They have good balance there that um, 
when things aren't working, they can shift and shift the game plan to uh, where the, the the shots might come from. Um, they, they show good balance there. But, again, so much of that is dependent on their ability to get to the free throw line and make free throws. If they're not making free throws, even if they are getting to the line, like was the case in Arkansas, then um, it, it's going to be tough sledding for them to, to really produce the same way as on offense. Speaking with Travis Brown, reporter for the College Station Eagle here on the Jones and Sun Diamond and Bridal Fine Jewelry Hotline. Uh, so, Travis, just uh, looking at how the season has gone so far, I know we talked about expectations for different teams in the SEC and everything. Is this the team that you expected to see as far as how they're doing things and you know the, the strengths and weaknesses of this team, or have there been some pretty big surprises for you as far as how this team has performed, even in the wins and losses? You know, it's so hard in, in with how college basketball is these days and how uh, dependent and reliant teams are on the transfer portal. I mean, you can say, well, A&M had a, a ton of momentum coming out of the NIT finals last year and returning a, a decent amount of guys, but you lose Quentin Jackson, who was their, their, just, their kind of everything of that team last year, and then they pick up uh, three or four uh, transfer players. And, yeah, you, you could say that, bringing in those experienced guys on paper makes the team better, but it's hard to know how quickly they're going to gel. I mean, that's really the, the name of the game when it comes to uh, the NCAA basketball game is which teams gel, come together, find their chemistry, integrate into the system as quickly as possible. And, and those are going to be the teams that at least early in the season uh, start to rise up the ranks and, and, um, and really prove that they're a good program. I think it's taken about a half a season for this A&M team to really come together and gel. But as it's come together, I think that um, people have found it, it's a better team. It's the best team that Buzz has had since he's uh, been down here. And they have the capability to, to go toe-to-toe and, and to, to make some noise amongst the, the, the best in the country. I just think it's – I think with if you look historically at A&M over the last – several seasons and the way things ended with the Billy Kennedy era. Um, it, it's a program that needed to get to the NCAA tournament this year. I think that was the expectation. They need to be back in the NCAA tournament with the drought that they've had. Um, but necessarily with what it looks like and how they get there, uh, I, I don't know how much expectations you can have uh, without necessarily knowing the roster and, and the makeup. So, um, it seems like A&M is on the course to, to get there. This is the hardest stretch of the season they're going to have coming in these next six games. All of them are quad one games except for Ole Miss. Um, so they'll really be battle-tested before they go into the SEC tournament. But they also do have a chance to really uh, boost their, their resume uh, heading into the postseason. Buzz Williams is someone who's won everywhere he's been. He's had success. What do you see from him with uh, in-game adjustments, game-to-game and once they get into those games, kind of what do you see from him being able to adjust? You know, it's, it's interesting because I think that's been actually one of the strengths of this team this year and something he's talked about a lot. Uh, they're really good at preparing the players to know exactly what they're looking for for their own game plan and what they're looking for in the other team. They, they, he's a very big numbers guy. If he's going to present something as, uh, a, a truth to the team about the team or about the other team, he's going to do it and have the data to back it up and, and show the players why this is the case with, with, with data uh, and, and what they're looking for in that regard. And I think that 
uh, one of the keys to this team is that the, the players have actually been able to recognize what they're seeing out on the court from the other team, recognize what's not happening or happening within themselves, and able to kind of make the adjustments, whether it be uh, maybe the game plan was to get it into the post to start out, and that just isn't there. So they're going to make the adjustment and uh, start working it from the from uh, the outside and, and dribble penetrate. And uh, there's been several times where uh, they'll come out of the locker room and the shooting is just gone ice cold, and you, you see the concerted effort within the team before they even hit the first media timeout where, okay, we're not shooting well. We're going to dribble penetrate, get the ball in, and get fouled and get to the free throw line. And uh, if you go back to... I believe it was the Auburn game uh, here in, in College Station. I want to say, like, there was a stretch where they were held without a field goal for, like, six minutes, but they scored 14 or 15 points from the free-throw line and were, were able to continue to keep their uh, lead through that just by getting to the free-throw line. Uh, Buzz is, is, a, is a pretty good uh, in, in-game manager, but I think um, the real preparation, they're, they're really good, and his assistant coaching staff is really good at preparing the team um, beforehand, and then the team is able to kind of sense the flow of the game and make adjustments on the fly. Travis, uh, one thing that you talked about was uh, getting to the free throw line, which we know A&M's really good at, and Arkansas has been pretty good at it too, but the problem with Arkansas is as much as they get to the free throw line, they're not very good at actually making free throws. But in, in this particular case with Texas A&M, uh, just looking at the numbers, they're shooting close to 75% from the free throw line, which is really good as a team. But when these two teams met again uh, just a couple weeks ago, they uh, dropped down to 58% in that game where they shot 24 free throws. Was there anything specific in that game that you saw that maybe that's why A&M shot so poorly compared to what they do the rest of the year, or was it just kind of the exception to the rule and that was just a bad free throw shooting game for the Aggies? You know, Buzz Williams, as we asked him about this, he was very, very clear to say that they're they're not a team that is going to make excuses and, and uh, that they uh, – they, they, they think that it was just a kind of an anomaly of a game, but I don't know how much, and I, they mentioned it on the broadcast, so I don't know how much that uh, uh, was, was heard by, by the Razorback fans, but they had a hellacious trip trying to get up there. It was during that winter storm. They uh, flew in, were going to fly into Fayetteville, and as they were on their descent, uh, the, the, the airport shut down. They had to divert their plane over to Wichita, Kansas, had to find, scramble to find coach buses, got those buses to take them to Tulsa. They stayed the night in Tulsa and then bust in the day of the game from Tulsa and got there, you know, you know, college basketball teams or any sports teams probably had their routines. They got there probably three or four hours past what their normal routine would be. They didn't have a normal shoot around that morning. Uh, and, you know, staying on a bus for uh, four or five hours when you're a six foot eight guy, probably can't think that you have your, your legs under you very well. That, that with how much of an, an anomaly that game was in, free throw shooting and how good they've been this year, you, you got to think that maybe those circumstances had a little bit of an effect on, uh, because they didn't shoot well from the field either. I just It just seems like uh, kind of from, a, from an outsider's perspective that it was just a team that didn't have their legs under them for, for how crazy the travel was. They actually, even after the game, had to fly into Houston uh, instead of flying into College Station and bust the two hours up from Houston, got in at like five in the morning after the game. So it was just kind of a, a hellacious couple of days for them in in terms of the way that they traveled. So um, I, I would think that would be the case. I would not expect them to uh, have another free-throw shooting performance like they did then because that was pretty much a one-game anomaly. 
How's the rest of A&M's schedule set up from a strength standpoint? You think it's a pretty strong schedule with the last six games down the stretch, or maybe it's favorable for A&M? No, I mean, it, it, it's certainly going to be their hardest stretch. Buzz Williams kind of gave the metaphor that he gave his team that this was like a three-lap relay, per se, comprised of six games. And they, they did the first lap and went 5-1, and one, did the second lap with 5-1. and one. This is an anchor lap just like you would run in the track meet where it's going to be the SEC strongest competition. Beyond Arkansas, it's a quad one game. They play uh, at Missouri, another quad one game. They host Tennessee, quad one game, pop five game. Uh, at Mississippi State, uh, quad one game. They play at Mississippi, which is quad two, but then go back and finish with Alabama, which is uh, potentially, you know, the best team in the country. So um, it's a chance to absolutely bolster that, bolster that resume heading into the SEC tournament. Uh, but it also could be a chance that they, uh, they they could struggle a little bit through just because of the, um, the kind of competition. So when you look at the rankings and you look at the home and away games, this Arkansas game is, is going to be pretty huge because it's, I'm certainly not saying it's, it's easier, but, you know, when you look at the likes of Tennessee and Alabama and, and then some of these games they have away, winning a home quad one game is going to be pretty important for the Aggies as they continue to try to uh, put some good marks and try to, you know, wash away that, that uh, Wofford blemish that they had earlier in the season with some good quadrant one wins. Yeah, it seems kind of the opposite uh, with Arkansas and A&M. A&M's got Arkansas, Tennessee, and Bama all at home, while Arkansas has A&M, Tennessee, and Alabama all on the road. So it's quite the, mm-hmm. quite, quite the opposite thing there, but it's going to be tough for both these teams down the stretch, that is. For sure. Uh, real quick, though, before I let you get out of here, Travis, I, I just got a quick football question for you because I know spring practice is around the corner. Uh, a lot of changes going on there in College Station. We know some uh, people were not very happy with the last re- uh, season results, but as far as the excitement level goes, the intrigue and the interest, how are people feeling heading into spring football down there in College Station? Well, I think with the biggest storyline, y'all could almost maybe speak a little bit better to this than some of the A&M people with uh, Bobby Petrino <laughs> coming to town and uh, having the keys to the uh, to the offense, um, uh, I think that at first a lot of people were a little, uh, maybe a little bit of an eye roll when that was the offensive uh, play caller to call. But I think as well as y'all know, at, at times in his career, he's been a good play caller, a good offensive mind. I think the biggest question mark is how much is Jimbo Fisher going to hand over the keys to the car, uh, and, and how are those two personalities going to get along in the in the in the staff meetings because they are two big personalities with um, a long history of, of having good offenses and good offensive minds. Um, so I, I think that uh, people are going to be really interested to see what, what the weapons, the tools that AM brings back, um, what Bobby Petrino is going to bring uh, to the offense, to, to Connor Wegman, Anaya Smith coming back, Evan Stewart, those kind of guys. Um, but then also, how, how is Jimbo Fisher and Bobby Petrino going to mesh? I, it, it's one of those deals where I kind of see this as either being it's going to be a really huge success or it's going to be a dumpster fire. And I, I don't really see much in between there. Yeah. Well, either way, I think Razorback fans are just hoping that uh, Bobby Vitrino doesn't use that revenge game in Arlington uh, to take it out on Arkansas. Cause uh, it was already a pretty close game this past year, but they don't want it to be that way again this year. But Travis, as always, man, we appreciate you joining us. Enjoy the game tonight. Enjoy the rest of the basketball season, man. We'll be catching up with you later down the road. Anytime guys. Thanks.